Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. We're getting up to verse 9. A few weeks ago, I preached on the first eight verses of this chapter. I want to come back now to the uh, second section of it, beginning at verse 9, 9 through 15 of Romans 8. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwell in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors. We are, I beg your pardon. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye live through the Spirit, it do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage unto fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now we pray. Our Father, we're so thankful that we can share this evening together, particularly as we have shared it with our young people. As they have led us in a very stirring, devotional, in song, prayer, scripture reading, and poem. We pray thy blessings to continue upon them that they would grow into maturity, not just as people, but as Christian people. We lift them up to you, our Father, this evening, and encourage and support them in the things that they do within this church and in their personal lives from day to day. Help us to be faithful to them. We pray, our Father, that they will be faithful to you as we together endeavor to serve you. Now bless us this evening as we look now into your word. May thy spirit be near and dear to us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to begin this evening by asking you a question. The question is, who is a Christian? Or to phrase it another way, what makes one a Christian? How do you know if you are one? Well, the answer is given in the scripture that we have before us tonight. If you have the Spirit of God within you, then you're God's. If you do not have the Spirit of God in you, you're not.
not God's. Now, that's the long and the short of the whole story. You are a Christian tonight, and the word Christian, by the way, is one that has been coined. Uh, it was coined back in the New Testament days when the uh, apostles began to preach, and the scripture tells us that they were first called Christian meaning that they were identified as a body of people that were followers of Christ. This took place at Antioch. The name has stuck. We could call ourselves anything, but the name Christian sticks because it identifies us as adhering to or belonging to a person that we call Christ. If you belong to, have a faith in a person that we as the church preach as Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, then you are a Christian. Nations are Christian. In that terminology, the United States is supposed to be a Christian nation. But every person in this Christian nation is not saved. And so we can use loosely the term Christian and almost everybody can say, yes, I'm a Christian. But whether you are saved or not is not based upon what term you might choose to apply to yourself, but is based upon the question proposed here by Paul to the Romans in verse 9, or the statement that he makes and, and its response to the question that I've asked, and that is, you belong to God if you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, and I don't care what you call yourself. We might say that every Baptist is a Christian, and that's a lie. <coughs> all Methodists aren't Christian, I guarantee you. Neither are all Catholics, nor all Pentecostals. And there are people who are Christian who do not have any of those titles at all. Because one's relationship to God is not based upon one's relationship to a given church organization. And this has been a fallacy within the Baptist church for many, many years, and will continue to be, I suppose, and in other churches. And that is the assumption that once one becomes a member of the congregation, he is therefore saved because he can use the title Christian. Don't be misled. In thinking, putting a title upon yourself makes you anything except a procrastinator, a hypocrite, or some other word that we might use to say that we are pretending to be something that we are not. The question is again, who is a Christian? And the answer is the one that has the Spirit of God inside himself. That's who a Christian is. The one who has the Spirit of God within himself. All right. In the early portion of this chapter, 
few sermons back, we talked about walking in the Spirit. And we certainly as Christian people ought to be demonstrating our Christian life before our brethren, before the sinners of this world, before each other, to demonstrate that we are a Christian. But we can look like one by the way we act and by the way we walk without being one because we have to have something inside to be a Christian. We can have the appearance on the outside. And so as I walk down the street, you might look at me or you might look at somebody else and say, there goes a Christian. But you cannot say that for sure because his walk looks like one, but his life may not be one in that he may not have the Spirit of God in his heart. There are lots of people who are going to be surprised on the day of judgment as they stand before the Lord to give a description of their lives and expect to be accepted into heaven to find that they are going to be condemned and they're going to say, but Lord, I belong to the church. Lord, I was baptized. Lord, I was good to my neighbor. Lord, I walked like a Christian. And the Lord is going to say, but son, you did not have my spirit in your heart. Well, sometimes we act like the devil as Christian people. Why do we do that when we're Christian? Because our salvation has not made a new body. It's only made a new heart. I want you to hear me. A Christian is one who has had something happen inside himself. Now, that which has happened inside will, of course, permeate out and affect the external way we live. But listen, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, we add, and save my body. No, no. We don't say that. Lord, forgive my sins and save my soul. That's what we want salvation for. Not the body. We want salvation for the soul. The day is going to come when the body will be saved, but it's not now. The body will not be made new until the resurrection when Jesus Christ comes back to receive the saved souls and resurrect their body out of the grave and the body that has been corrupt will miraculously be changed and the new body and the soul will be reunited. But until that day, the body is dead. It is of no value. We're not interested in the Lord saving our body. We want him to save the real person we are, which is something inside us. For the body is nothing more than a house that contains the real person, the real you, the real me. That's our soul. And so, a person who is saved is one who has a new heart. 
One whose soul has been regenerated. One whose soul has received the Spirit of God to dwell within it. Then the day will come when we'll have a new body. Now, there's no way, no way, that I can look at you, or you can look at me, and say with 100% assurity that we're saved. I don't, as I said this morning, I don't really know you. I cannot know you. I can only know as much of you as you want me to know. And you are going to hide it from me, aren't you? As I am going to hide myself from you. We cannot know that. Why can we not know each other's spiritual nature? Is because we can't see the soul. We only see the body. But God sees the soul. God has eyes that look through us and see more than flesh and blood and bone. He sees a soul. We can't hide from that sight. The disciples wanted to look out there on that group of people before them and say, Lord, would you want us to go out there and sort them out, sort, put the saved over here and the lost over here? We'll, we'll sort them out. And Jesus said, no, you leave things alone. You go out there and start stirring in things and start trying to decide who's lost and who's saved. You're going to mess things up pretty bad. This is sometimes what we as the church want to do, just like, the, like the, his disciples. We want to do the sorting. We want to say who's saved and who's lost. And we know because we can see those being critters that lie and cheat and steal and drink and do all sorts of things and pay no attention to the church. They're all gone to hell. Oh, don't fool yourself. You're looking at the body. God's looking at the soul. God's the one that knows. Jesus said, leave things alone and I'll take care of it at the judgment. It is our job not to sort and to pull. Our job is to preach and to convince and to lift up Christ and he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. When we as people try to draw, we're going to make the mistake of rooting up the wrong kind of plants. And saying, that's a weed, let's pull it up. Over here's a good producing plant, let's leave it alone. And we don't even know the difference, we can't tell. See, a couple of three weeks ago, we had a a Sunday school lesson about tares and wheat. And if you remember, we're in Sunday school that day, a tare is a weed that looks like a wheat plant. 
And in its early days, before it matures, you can't tell the difference between this particular weed and a, and a wheat. This weed, however, has extreme root system. It goes down there and gets all under the ground in amongst the other roots in it, uh, of the wheat. And if you went in there and, and finally, finally identified a weed, the, the tear, and you're going to pull it out, when you pull out that one little plant, you're going to pull with it and tear up and destroy several plants of wheat. That's what we do when we think we're smart enough to try to decide who's good and who's bad, who's moral and who's immoral, who's going to heaven and who's going to hell, who's saved and who's lost. That's not our job to sort out the lost and the saved. Our job is to preach Christ and Him crucified, and that's all. That's the job of the church. But we as individual people know our own heart and our own soul. And we know whether or not we have the Spirit of God living within us. And if He's not there, if the Holy Spirit is not dwelling in your heart, you're lost. If the Holy Spirit is dwelling in your heart, you're saved. Look at verse 10. If Christ be in you, notice, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus, verse 11, from the dead, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus, the spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, that is, raise up our mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. All right. Now let's go on to verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. What does he mean by that? I've gone down the road on a number of occasions or read in the paper. There's a big sign in front of a business, and it says this, under new management. You've seen those signs, have you not? I was in business one time, and I put up a similar, I, I put a big blurb in the paper. I wanted people to know that that business was under new management. And what was I saying? Brethren, come to me because I'm going to do it better than you've ever experienced it before in this business. That's what new management means. We're going to do things differently. When we become a Christian, we are under new management. Ye are not your own, you are bought with a price, the scripture says. You don't belong to yourself, you don't belong to Satan, you don't belong to the world, you belong to Jesus Christ, you're under new management. We no longer have any obligation 
to serve the old master that we were serving. People say, I cannot help it if I sin. Yes, you can, because the sin that we commit is an obedience to the old manager of our lives, and we have assumed new management, and that new management does not ask us to sin. It's not a matter of can we serve Jesus Christ, it's a matter of will we serve Jesus Christ. It's a matter of not will I be controlled by Satan, but will I be controlled by the Holy Spirit? It's a matter of will. People say to me, I would become a Christian, but I don't think I can hold out. And let me tell you, I agree with that statement. You can't hold out. If there is anybody who believes that he can be a Christian on his, in his own power, and his own strength, he's fooling himself. The only thing that gives us any kind of strength is the new management that we're under. Because he gives new direction to our lives. We're under the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Therefore, we can do if we will do. And how close we are living to that new master will uh, be related to how well we will perform according to what he wants us to do. But verse 13 says, if you live after the flesh, you'll die. There's lots of people who think they're saved. I have already spoken because they look it. They go to church, they were baptized. But you know how a doctor, and this is very preliminary, a doctor decides if you're dead, you don't have a heartbeat. When your heart quits beating, you're dead. Now there's more technical terminology here. There's, there's brain dead and other kinds of death. But basically, when your heart quits beating, you're dead. There is no vital sign. And therefore, you are presumed dead. What I'm saying to you is, if you don't have signs of life, you might be dead. Did you hear what I said? If you don't look like and act like you're alive, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. We go to the doctor once in a while for a physical checkup. I have to go more often than I'd like to go anymore. Some of you ought to be going and you're not going as often as you should for your physical checkup. But listen, there's a more important checkup than a physical checkup and that's a spiritual checkup. When's the last time you had your spiritual checkup? When is the last time somebody felt your spiritual pulse? When is the last time you gave evidence of really being alive? Is your spiritual heart beating? Is spiritual blood running through your veins? Are you alive for the Lord? Does your life give evidence that there's life within? 
The scripture says if you're going to live according to the flesh, the world, Satan, it says to kill those things in your body so that you can give evidence of being alive. If there are those things in your life that do not appear to be Christ-like, he says mortify them. That means kill them. Put them out of your life. Give some evidence that you are alive. Now a Christian does not automatically quit sinning just because he becomes a Christian. This is a mistake that we in the church make. We assume, erroneously, but we assume, that when a person becomes a Christian, he accepts Christ as his Lord and Savior, he's made it to the top and everything. Everything's perfect. He will never do another sin. We assume that a guy who has been a drinker all of his life, as soon as he accepts Christ, will never take another drink. We assume that a person who has been a liar all of his life, as soon as he accepts Christ, will never tell another lie. We assume that a person who's never gone to church in his life will suddenly find church so vital that he can never stay outside the doors. We make all kinds of erroneous assumptions about our life as a Christian. The scripture says, be ye holy, for I am holy. We are commanded to be perfect, but because we're still in the body, we will fail in our perfection. Because the, the controller of our body is still yet Satan. The spirit lives within the heart, and the heart is saved, but the body's not saved yet. And the body, the physical, the mental, that person that is external is still going to sin and oftentimes yield to and be under the control of Satan. But the scripture says that we don't have to be under this old management. We can be under new management. He says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Most of us don't resist the devil. When he knocks at the door, we reach out our hand to shake it and say, come on in when we ought to be slamming the door in his face. There's a conflict of terms when we want to live externally like the devil and still feel that we are internally saved. There needs to be a correlation of the two and our spiritual life ought to become dominant and control us. And when we will flee from the devil, if we can't take the, the temptation, then get out of the picture where that temptation would be. A person who has been an alcoholic all of his life, the, the last thing in the world he wants is to be around where there's something to drink. A person who has been a sinner all of his life, the last thing in the world that he ought to do is put himself in a position where he might compromise his principles. We need to flee from that which we cannot control. The Holy Spirit, however, that is dwelling within us can overcome, suppress, put out of the way all of these temptations and desires to serve the devil. Romans 6.11 says, Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. I don't know if you've ever read that verse and, and figured out what it means or not. Listen to it again. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. Romans 6.11 Let me... Translate it this way. Think yourself dead to sin. 
Now listen to me. Think, I will not do it. Think, I will not think it. Think, God is in control. Think, Satan, you are no longer a part of my life. Think, think positive. Think spiritual. Think God. Think Christ. Think salvation. Have that a part of your life. In the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew people taught their children. They wrote across their foreheads and carried with them the word of God so that it was always present. Always present. It was the word of God that they spoke. How many times a day do we quote God's word? Think the Bible. Think the church. Think Christ. Think salvation. Think godly. Think goodness. And we are beginning to put our lives into gear to serve Jesus Christ. It's got to become a conscious, real, vital part of our lives. As Jesus said to Satan in the days of his temptation, Get thou behind me, Satan. That's what we need to be doing, is putting Satan behind us and Christ before us. And we will lift our eyes upon Christ, and he will lead us the way that we ought to go. Well, let me come back to the question. Are you a Christian? Meaning, does the Spirit of God dwell in your heart? Simple question. But maybe the answer is not so simple. I really think the answer is simple. It's a yes or a no. The problem is we don't want to answer it. Because we really want to say yes, the Spirit dwells in me. I'm a Christian. When we really know in our heart. Maybe that's not so. I do not ask anybody when it comes to salvation or you remember the church, or I try not to in, in those terminologies. Because it doesn't make any difference what church you belong to. It does make a difference whether or not the Spirit of God belongs to you. In your heart. In mine. If this evening, and I've titled this message, The Spirit of Christ Within. If this evening the Spirit of Christ is within you, saved. But if this evening the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God is not in your heart, you're lost. The end result is eternal hell. It's that short and that simple. Do you have the Spirit God in your heart. If not, we invite you tonight to let Christ come in. Let him save you. Save your soul, not your body. Your body will be transformed and changed on the day of the resurrection if you're a Christian. 
We just want to talk about the soul. Save the soul. Are you ready to meet your God? Does the spirit of your God dwell in you? If not, we invite you to yield yourself to the spirit of God. It's very simple. If you know that you're not a Christian because the spirit of God does not dwell in you, you can say or pray a very simple prayer. The prayer is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save my soul. And it's the rest of us up to the Lord. He will do it. He is the one who saves. We, people on this earth, just simply need to yield ourselves to Him. Will you yield to Satan? Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.